Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, check one, two. There it is. The angry tugboat noise, just like on the trailers. Check one, two, good? Doing all right? Can everybody hear me? All right. Well, how everyone doing good today? Yeah? Good? All right, awesome. Well, uh, like he said, my name is Kaylin, and uh, we are expecting a baby in October. Woohoo! Yeah. And uh, this was an excellent week because we found out the gender. You ready for that? Drum roll. Drum roll. All right, it's a girl. Woo! Yeah. Can't believe it. Uh, I think I see some healing in my future as far as pink, so I'm going to embrace the pink. Um, uh, I'm, okay, that's good. <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I won't. So yeah, like you said, um, about three weeks ago, I got to speak, um, and we talked about forgiveness. Specifically, we talked about forgiveness in the context of how forgiveness is actually faith in the gospel. So the good news is that through Christ, God is not counting my sins against me. Is that true? So if that gospel is true for me, then it's also true for the people who hurt me. And so whenever I choose to forgive, I'm actually choosing to believe in the gospel over that person. And, And in that simple, beautiful gospel, Jesus took care of every sin on the cross there's no work that any of us can ever do to pay for our sin. Only the cross can do that. And so that is, that is the same for the people who hurt me. So we talked about that last week. We also talked about how that same cross is the only source of true healing in our lives. So, um, so yeah, I encourage you guys to check out that podcast. Um, it's on iTunes and our website if you want to check that out. Um, another thing we talked about was painting the blood on the doorpost. So in the context of Moses and the Passover... They painted the blood on the doorpost, and that blood was a sign that death had already been paid in that house. That the price was owed was already paid there. And so whenever I choose to forgive, I'm painting the blood of Jesus over that person's house. And I'm saying that Jesus already paid the penalty of death there. So justice has been paid, and I can, I can release them. So, so go check that out. I'm not going to redo that message. But, so, uh, so this week I was praying quite a bit about what to speak on. And I felt like the Holy Spirit highlighted a theme, and the theme was being stuck. Has anyone ever felt stuck before? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, so without even realizing it, that, that forgiveness message was the first part of the getting unstuck thing. And so the, the second thing that I felt like the, the Lord said was that he wants his people unstuck. And I felt like he highlighted um, this thing about embracing our calling. And so there's so many directions I could go with that today, but I feel like there's one particular direction that we're supposed to go. And so today I'm going to talk about a calling that you may not realize you have, and that is to be a mother and a father. And so before I lose the youth and the people without kids, <laughs> the, the types of mothers and fathers I'm talking about is actually the, the people who are called to invest in pe- other people, raising people up. Does that make sense? So we're actually going to be talking about spiritual children, and it's a call that every single person in this room has. Um, and I know that because Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, "Go and make disciples of all nations." So in order for us to effectively disciple, we have to carry this heart of fathers and mothers, because Jesus carried that heart. And so we're going to see what that looks like. 
So, will you guys make some declarations with me? All right. I am going to receive revelation today. The Father wants to speak to my heart. There's something new that I'm going to hear today. I am developing a hunger for the word of God. The eyes of my heart will be enlightened to know the hope that I'm called to and the riches of my glorious inheritance as a saint. Amen. You guys believe that? Yeah, it's going to be a good day today. It should be really good. Okay, so, so in order to effectively disciple, we have to carry the heart of a mother or father like Jesus did. Now, about a year ago, um, the Lord started transitioning me from the role of a sibling to the role of a parent. And it was just something he started doing in my heart. And this was really funny because I grew up and still have tendencies of being a very competitive person. So <laughs> grew up playing competitive sports my entire life. I was the oldest child. I was competitive in school, wanting to be the best at everything. And, um, and so this concept of trading in that for actually helping other people to be better than me, that's a little bit, you know, like, what are we doing here? So <laughs> it's like, let's just go against an entire lifetime of developed <laughs> thought process. So, no, but it was really good. And so I'm, I'm excited to share what the Lord brought me through that. Um, it, almost all of the revelation God speaks to me comes through this process. And so it's like I come up against this part of my character that hasn't been renewed yet. And the father is like, that's actually not who you are. This is who I want you to be. And so we go to the word and just opens it up. And so that's what I'm going to get to share with you today. So funny story. I'm um, just got to share this real quick. So God starts speaking to me about raising people up. And I start doing that. And uh, that was about the same time Pastor CJ got real excited about declarations. And it was even before the back ones and everything. And so I was a good member of the church and started making declarations. <laughs> Just kidding, you can laugh, it's okay. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, so I, I wrote out all these declarations and hung them in our closet, and a lot of them had to do with uh, the, the parent thing. And so I was just declaring, like, I have the mother heart of God, and I... I am beautifully represent the mother heart of God and like all this stuff and had all these verses about children and my full intention and focus was on the spiritual children I was raising up. You guys know where this is going? So I did that for several months. Yes, God, I am a great mother to these people I'm investing in for the kingdom. Well, a few months later, we find out I actually am a mother. So watch where you point that declaration, Canon. Sometimes you get unexpected results. <laughs> so, okay, so in this process God is leading me through, um, I, uh, at one point I come up to this wall where I, I hit a lot of this jealousy stuff and kind of territorialism and just yuckiness. Have you guys ever felt yuckiness before? And so um, I, I just took it to the Lord one day in prayer, and I was like, God, this is not who I am. This is not who I want to be. And would you just heal me of this? And so I did the forgiveness thing, forgave the situation that kind of brought those roots up. And, uh, and then as I was worshiping, all of a sudden this phrase just came up out of my spirit. It just like came up before I even knew what I was saying. And I said this, I said, God, help me to have the heart of a mother who truly celebrates the victory and successes of her children. And, and almost as soon as I had said that, I remember these verses that I'd read just a few days before. 
And it's in Psalm 127, 3 through 5 in the message. It says, Don't you see that children are God's best gift, the fruit of the womb, his generous legacy? Like a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. Oh, how blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children. Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. Now, if you're like me, you've probably read this verse many times and thought of it as big families, right? You're like, well, the Ellis's have a quiver full, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as I read this, the Holy Spirit opened it up in a totally new light that I never even thought of before. And that is in the context of spiritual children. So let's read it again in that context. It says, don't you see that children are God's best gift? So that means the people that I'm choosing to invest in for the kingdom, that I'm giving time and discipleship to, they're actually God's best gift to me. Isn't that interesting? And then it says, the fruit of the womb is generous legacy. Now you may say, well, that ends it right there. That's just talking about natural kids. But no. Because we actually, we give birth to things in the spirit as well. And so now, let me ask all the ladies here. I don't need details until after October. But, (laughs) but is the the journey from the womb to delivery, that's probably has some pressure, right? That's all I need to know. Okay. <laughs> so, let's take a look at Matthew seven thirteen through 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life, and few are those who find it. So this is a very familiar verse. We have two roads, Right? One is easy and wide, but leads to destruction. One is narrow and confined by pressure, but leads to life. Right? You may hear that it's not about the destination, it's the journey, but I don't think that applies here. <laughs> if you're going to end up at death or life, there's, there's a big difference there, right? So, I, I had always read this and, and thought of it as the way to life is straight, S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T, as in without curve. But it's actually straight S-T-R-A-I-T, which is confined by pressure. So sometimes as we are investing in these people, the way is going to be confined by soul pressure. Have you guys experienced soul pressure before? I don't think it has to be straight up painful or anything like that, but there's definitely some pressure in the decisions we make. And so this whole year we've been talking about loving well, right? And I feel like as we are loving well, we might encounter some of these straight places. But we can be encouraged that the fruit of the womb is his generous legacy, right? So as we give birth to these, the, this fruit, so, so investing in these people, the fruit of, of these people in our lives, um, it, that is our generous legacy from the Lord, okay? Okay, so now my next question, the Lord's kind of speaking this to me. My next question was, well, but God, I'm not even old enough to be a spiritual parent, you know, I'm, I'm just now 30, and uh, that just, like, maybe just some of the youth and stuff like that, but how am I even going to do that? And, um, well, the very next verse actually answered my question. It says, like, a warrior's fistful of arrows are the children of a vigorous youth. So, all of us in this room, we don't have to wait until this certain pinnacle point to be a father and a mother. 
you're actually called to do that right now where you're at. Now, obviously, we have different spiritual relationships, and we're not a father and a mother to everyone. But the, the question is, how, what is your heart towards people? And that's kind of what we we're going to go into next. So let's see. Okay, but in the, uh, sorry, let me back up just a sec. In the context of this verse, we've got all this thing like uh, warrior's arrows and quivers of children and our enemies don't stand a chance. It's kind of a battle thing, right? So that, that, to me, that's saying that this is actually a, a warring thing. And so if my enemies don't stand a chance, that means my children mean victory for me. Right? It says, it's talking to the parents. How blessed are you parents with your quivers full of children? Your enemies don't stand a chance against you. You'll sweep them right off your doorstep. So, what looks like a selfless, sacrificial investment in the lives of others is secretly God's key to personal victory. So when I invest in other people as spiritual children, I'm not only doing my part to help equip and raise them into their God calling, but I'm also positioning myself for victory over my own enemies. So now there's this thing, I mentioned being a sibling, having the heart of a sibling to the heart of a parent. Now whenever I, I'm going to be talking about the heart of a sibling here. Whenever I say sibling, I'm actually talking about a person who does not yet have a revelation of sonship. Um, that sibling is, is a, it's kind of a fear-based thing and has a fear of being replaced. Um, because if you're a son who has a revelation of sonship, you're going to realize that, uh, that your siblings actually don't play a role in your relationship as a son or daughter. Does that make sense? So whether you're one of, of one, whether you're an only child or one of hundreds, that's never going to change the fact that you're a son or daughter. So that sibling lives from a place of rest, Okay, so that kind of sibling sees the success of others as personal rivalry. Mothers and fathers see the success of others as personal victory. So if I have the heart of a sibling, I'll see the victory of my spiritual brothers and sisters as a threat because that spirit says their victory is my failure. But if I have the heart of a mother, I will see the victory of my sons and daughters as celebration because that spirit says that their victory is my victory. Just like it said in that verse, your, your enemies don't stand a chance against you. Okay? So we have this excellent example in Scripture about what not to do. That's always helpful, right? <laughs> um, and that's the example of Saul. So let's look at uh, 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9. This is right after David killed Goliath. Um, so... Just a little background, Saul is this king, right? And so he's led his army down, and David went and killed Goliath. We all know that story. Okay, it says, When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. So Saul really gave himself away. He gave his heart away in the words he said, right? Overflow of a man's heart, mouth speaks. And he said, next, they'll be making him their king. So to me, that says Saul had a wrong view of greatness. 
He had a desire of gr- to be great, which is in every single person here. But he needed an eternal perspective of greatness. So the sad thing is Saul changed a temporary view of greatness for the eternal one. And true greatness is actually investing in other people to make them great. So before we move ahead, let's look at a, the perfect contrast, and that's Jesus. John fourteen eleven through 14. This is Jesus talking. He says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I, I, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified to the Son, in the Son. You may ask me any, for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the hearts of true fathers and mothers want to see their children doing even greater things than they've done themselves. So when I realized this, like I said, that kind of went against that competitive thing, right? But with that shift, I realized that as I'm investing in other people to be greater than I've ever been, that's actually going to be my victory, right? That my calling can only be fulfilled in investing in other people and making them great, You know, all of us have these things in our heart to do because God put it there. And as we delight in God, he loves to give us those desires of our hearts. You know, like um, I want to write a book and I want to record albums and there's all these things that God's put inside my heart. But I will get lost if I pursue making myself great in that. Those things will only be be fulfilled whenever I'm pursuing making other people great. Okay, so you guys remember Joseph with his brothers? Joseph had the dream. You guys were bowing down. They were like grass or something. (laughs) They were like wheat, and they're bowing down to me. Well, Joseph had that dream from God that he was going to be great. But Joseph didn't fulfill his dream by pursuing greatness. He had this entire process. He got thrown in the pit. Uh, He went to prison. He was in Potiphar's house. And then finally, he was in the palace, and he was great. But Joseph fulfilled his calling, not by serving himself, but by serving the people where he was placed. Right? He gave his all to serve those people, and the greatness just happened. So, so Jesus said, you'll, you'll do the same things I've done and even greater things. So the first thing about Jesus was he was a secure son. He knew who he was, that, that there was no competition and stuff like that. And you might say, well, that's Jesus, you know. <laughs> but no, are we just as much sons and daughters as Jesus is? Our relationship cannot be changed because we have been adopted into that. And so from a place of rest and with the Father's heart within Jesus, he was able to say, go do the same things I've done and even greater things. Now let's go back and look at, at, at Saul. Remember the song that was sung over David? The song was, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. If Saul would have had the heart of a father in that situation, that song would have been a song of victory. Right? That Saul would have been the very thing that, he was, was, that Saul was wanting. Okay? So, so... If Saul would have had the heart of a father, he would have seen David and been, would have had thoughts like, oh my gosh, that might be the one. And he would have grabbed a tambourine with the rest of them, and he would have been celebrating David's victory. And he would have been saying, praise the Lord, Jesus has, uh, the Lord has revealed to me the one that I can invest in. Right? 
Now, a lot of times we get hung up by the, by the success and greatness of others because we feel like it's a blow to us. But when we're mothers and fathers, we can truly celebrate that because we know it's going to be victory. So in saying all of this, I want to set us free into our calling. Uh, because jealousy can be a real hang-up, I feel like. Especially in the church and in stuff like that. We see people who are, who are getting exalted. But if you're, if you're feeling threatened, maybe check. Am I, am I having the heart of an insecure sibling right now? Or am I having the heart of a mother and a father? So Saul lacked an eternal perspective and he wrongly believed success was in his misdefined greatness in being greater than others when in reality success was in his recognition of the greatness of others. In despising David's song, Saul, Saul missed his greatest call which was to draw out the greatness in other people. Individual accomplishments may be remembered but a true legacy lives on in the lives of others. So if you guys have read that story, Saul, the rest of Saul's life is pretty sad. Um, he basically allowed jealousy to co- totally consume him uh, to the point where he ended up dying. First um, Samuel 31 tells us that whole sad into his life. And verse 6 says, So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and his troops all died together that same day. So Saul lost his life. He lost his seed and his legacy, which was his sons. And he lost everything he'd built, which was his army. And verse 7 says the enemy then moved in and occupied his territory. I heard a quote by someone that said, success without a successor is failure. So because Saul chose jealousy instead of the heart of a father and investing in people, he, he not only died himself, he lost everything, and there was no legacy. That's pretty sobering. I'm not trying to be sobering. <laughs> So I I started making this declaration, if you guys would like to make it with me. It says, I don't have the heart of Saul, so I don't fear being replaced by my successors. I have the heart of Jesus, therefore I intentionally invest in my successors with the desire the purpose, and the intent that they'll do the same things I've done and even greater things. Children are God's best gift and their victory is my victory. So I want to ask you this question. Is there someone in your life that you're supposed to be a mother or a father to? And I would say yes, there probably is. You can ask the Holy Spirit who that is. Um, and obviously we have different, varying levels of investment in people. There's some people we pour into like a Padawan, you know, and we just have one. But then there's sometimes that our influence goes, reaches really broadly. But in all of that, we can have the heart of mothers and fathers like Jesus did. And it's in that that we're truly free. So in this idea of being content in our calling, you know what, no, I feel like we need to do something else. I feel like we need to pray real quick. 
Would you guys stand up with me? Do you guys accept that call? Do you accept that call to be mothers and fathers? Do you, do you accept the, the understanding that there may be straight places that are confined by soul pressure? But do you believe that's worth it? Do you, do you believe that, that their victory is actually your victory? And that you can celebrate people without jealousy? Yeah, I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do some ministering right now. So thank you, Father. If you're not sure what that looks like, that just looks like kind of turning your heart to, to the Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, I just thank you for deep healing right now. Thank you for deep healing. And Daddy, I repent right now just for the the places where I have pursued being great and forgot my actual call. You've called me to be great, but I will be great in investing in other people. Thank you, Father. And right now, I just, um, I forgive. I, I kind of feel this. Let's just, if there is someone who you feel like maybe did not have a heart of a parent who should have, let's just release forgiveness there. And, and remember that forgiveness is, is believing that gospel. So, Father, we just say yes to you. We thank you for your word. We receive it. We embrace it. And we choose to put it into practice how you show us. And we embrace the wisdom that you're giving us. And we embrace the wisdom that you, you may give us through other brothers and sisters. And so, Father, I just speak blessing on your people. Blessing on our time of fellowship and the meal that we're going to receive soon. And I thank you, Father, that you are calling all of us to be great, powerful people. But you're causing our, our thinking to line up with your kingdom thinking. And we embrace that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wasn't that a good word? Amen. That was awesome. Well, what I'm going to invite you to do now is, is I think they're not going to be ready for us for another 15 minutes as far as food. So you're welcome to hang out, fellowship in the air conditioning, or you can go hang out, out without the air conditioning. I'm just kidding. Uh, so you can hang out a little bit, and then I believe the, the line will be open around 1130. Okay. So God bless you guys, and you better not be going home unless you're going to change and come back, or I'm going to get you. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.